We've received breaking news from the murder of Joseph Lee. Disqualified wounding of Cheryl Corbell. The focus of the police investigation. We will now sentence each of you. They are investigating a serious incident. We will work together and we will find you. We will prosecute you. We will be detained at his majesty's Hello and good morning, afternoon or evening, depending when you're listening to this, and welcome to the Oxfordshire Court and Crime podcast. My name is G and I am the Court and Crime reporter for the Oxford Mail who brings you this brand new podcast. And welcome to episode two, where we continue to do a deep dive behind the scenes of the murder trial of Jorge Carreño. It has officially been a week since the first podcast, which went into the prosecution opening. This second podcast is going to go a bit more into the prosecution's evidence, which includes a lot of deep dives into the CCTV, some evidence from forensic pathology, evidence from the first witnesses on the scene, uh, Blake's messages, and just so much more. But before we jump straight in, I just want to remind everyone that this is still an ongoing trial. Everyone is innocent till proven guilty, so none of this is to be taken as fact right now. The jury have not yet retired, and I have to be careful about the things I'm putting to you. So like I said in the first podcast, if there's things that you think are being missed out, or there are things you've read after the trial has finished, because you're listening to this once it's done, and you're thinking, hmm, she didn't mention this or that. The trial is still ongoing right now. I am reporting as it goes. So without further ado, let's jump straight back in with the murder trial of Jorge. So like I said, it has been a whole week since I recorded the first episode of the podcast, meaning there has been a whole lot of evidence that has been heard in front of the jury and not all of it in chronological order. So I'm trying to think of where is best to start and how to present it in this podcast. But first I thought we'll We'll do a little recap of what we've heard so far. So Jorge Carreño is a 30-year-old Spanish man who was found in Parsons Pleasure, a popular bathing spot near the city of Oxford, on the 26th of July 2021. For about two years, police didn't really have a lead on what had happened to Jorge. Um, They released CCTV footage of a mysterious figure that was last seen with Jorge in Radcliffe camera at about 4am, but sadly no one had responded to those appeals and an inquest was held that ruled that Jorge's death was open-ended just because of the lack of evidence. Fast forward to August 2023, police received a tip-off from someone in America leading them to Scarlett Blake. Scarlett Blake is a 25-year-old woman who lives in Crotch Crescent, Marston. She was arrested in August 9th last year after this tip-off and it is the prosecution's case that she was the mysterious figure in the city centre with Jorge and that she had walked with him to Parsons Pleasure before strangling him until he was unconscious and pushing him in the water. Blake has denied having any involvement in Jorge's death. Blake was also accused with stealing her neighbour's cat before sadly dissecting it, putting its organs in a blender, all whilst live streaming it to the same person in America who eventually came to tip police off about Blake's alleged involvement in Jorge's death. Expected that the defence's case will be that Jorge had accidentally fallen into the water or that it was a suicide. At the time of recording this podcast, the defence case hasn't actually started, but by the time that it's out, it definitely will have. So we'll have more of Blake's side of things. If she takes a stand, she might not. 
we'll see. And that is everything up to date from the first podcast. So let's jump straight back into the new evidence that we've heard in the past week, starting with the first person who found Mr. Carreño. So as you know, Jorge was out on the evening of July 24th, 2021, with colleagues and friends at pubs in Oxford. He last saw his friends at about 2am and then was seen on various CCTV cameras walking around Oxford, using his phone to make internet searches for his address and also whilst using a dating app. It was then at around 4am that he walked with the mysterious figure to Parsons Pleasure in the early hours of the 25th of July and then he was later found about 36 hours from his last appearance on CCTV at Parsons Pleasure. Now, the first person on the scene was actually a wildlife photographer called Dr. Craig Prosser. Dr. Prosser visited the area quite a lot. It's um, sort of a well-known university parks area and he told the jury that he had often gone to take pictures of wildlife and on that specific day July 26 2021 he was looking for kingfishers to photograph which is a type of bird he had actually walked past earlier in the day but it wasn't until he did a u-turn and was walking back through Parsons Pleasure that he noticed something a bit different This was at about midday and he told the jury that he was stood on top of a cement rock near to the area where Mr. Carreño was found in the water. And he told the jury he saw what looked like a black satchel floating on the top. He told the jury that he regularly spots things in the water, so his initial reaction was to try and fish it out. Um, But because it was quite far out, he needed a branch. So as he was looking around, that's when he saw the bottom of a shoe. He sort of, I think in his head he knew what it was, but he he wanted to confirm it before he phoned the emergency services. It sounded like he was quite shook up with what he said. I mean, it's not something that you stumble across every day, especially if he said he's been in that area quite a lot, taking photos and had never seen anything. So he decided to try and flag some passers-by to also come and look at at what he had found um, just to confirm so he could call the emergency services. For a while there were only families walking by and he didn't want to to get young children involved for obvious reasons until eventually he saw two young men with a puppy coming into the area. The young couple that he managed to flag down were called Sam and Jack and they were walking with their young puppy Ralph. He said to them, I'm ever so sorry but I can't quite believe what I'm seeing, there's something in the water, can you please come and have a look? So the two men walked over and one of them, I think it was Sam, said yes, I think it looks like a body Um, and he told the jury later on after Dr Prosser finished giving his evidence that it was just really shocking. Um, Dr. Prosser then phoned the emergency services and the fire team was the first in the area. The jury heard from quite a few firefighters who were on the scene that day to help retrieve Mr. Carreño from the water. It is the prosecution's case that when Jorge was um, pulled out from the water that his leg had become entangled in the roots of a nearby tree but it's the defense's case that Mr Cranio might have been entangled in the roots sort of further into the water and they, you hear later in the trial that um, the defense's it suggests that maybe that's how he came about an accidental death was maybe going to retrieve his phone that had fallen in and getting entangled and panicking. 
most of the firefighters seemed to provide evidence that was more in support of the prosecution's case that Jorge was quite easy to pull from where he was laying in the water to the bank and it wasn't until they were lifting him up that his leg became entangled on the bank. But again it's important to note that we haven't heard the defence's case yet, evidence from that side of things so we can't exclude this bit of evidence just yet at this point in the trial. So the jury heard that Jorge was retrieved from the water in the July and a post-mortem examination was carried out at the John Radcliffe Hospital in the August by a Dr Brett Lockyer. Now you may recognise this name from the first podcast, he was the forensic pathologist who was quoted in Jorge's inquest the following summer where he ruled that Jorge had died from immersion with alcohol intoxication. Dr Lockyer said that at the time of the post-mortem examination there was not a lot of evidence surrounding the circumstances of Jorge's death, meaning how he came to be at Parsons Pleasure and how he may have fallen into the water. So his conclusion was very much open-ended like the coroner eventually concluded. He said he did not consider strangulation as a cause of death at that time because of that lack of evidence but he didn't completely exclude the idea of third-party involvement. He did say at the time it was possible that Jorge may have been held underwater, but at the time there just wasn't any injuries on Jorge's body that indicated 100% that there was third-party involvement. After police received the tip-off about Blake, Dr Lockyer was then asked to do another post-mortem examination to reconsider his findings against the new evidence. So he was provided information about Blake being the alleged mysterious figure, the videos of Blake allegedly strangling ex-partners for sexual gratification, messages that were found on her phone to do with this alleged fascination with violence and harm, also the live stream of the cat evidence video he was given all of that and asked to sort of relook again at, at the injuries that were found on Jorge's body and if they would fit with any of the prosecution's ideas of how Jorge came to die at Parsons Pleasure. The first finding of note was that Jorge had a deep bruise on the back of his skull, measuring two centimetres. Speaking in the trial, he said, this is an impact causing bleeding beneath the skin, so it could be from the head hitting an object or an object hitting the head. When asked what sort of object could have caused the injury, Dr Lockyer said there is a possibility of a vodka bottle having been used as a weapon and it not smashing in the process. Now, you might remember that a vodka bottle lid was found at the scene of Parsons Pleasure with Blake's DNA found on it. The vodka bottle itself was not actually found. Dr Lockyer was also asked to consider the possibility of strangulation. He said that Jorge had a type of hemorrhaging around the top of his neck to the back of his jaw and also some hemorrhaging under the tongue, but there weren't any physical sort of ligature marks on his neck. He was first asked if it was possible that Jorge could have been strangled using a garrote. A garrote, I think I'm pronouncing that right, is a thin piece of wire or 
cord um, that is often used as a ligature. Now, he was asked this because it was found on Blake's phone a picture of a homemade garrote using two metal columns and a piano wire. It's the prosecution's case that Blake had made this homemade garrote because looking at her financial records, there was an alleged purchase for piano wire earlier in the year. However, we do not know for sure that this was a homemade garrote made by Blake or if it was just a picture that was found saved on her phone. Dr. Lockyer said it was unlikely that Jorge was strangled with a garrote because it's quite a thin piece of wire and if it had been held against his neck it would have left a visible mark even if there was a piece of clothing in front of it. So he said it was unlikely but he didn't exclude the possibility overall that it could have been used. He suggested if it had been held a little bit higher, sort of at the top of the neck, under the jaw then it wouldn't have left a visible mark as such and that it would be in keeping with the type of deep hemorrhaging that Jorge had in that area of his body. Dr Lockyer was also asked to consider whether a broader ligature could have been used such as a dressing gown cord. Now you might remember that there were videos of Blake allegedly strangling her partner using a leopard print dressing gown cord and also there was a picture taken by Blake on the night that Jorge went missing in Oxford city centre holding that same leopard print dressing gown cord. Dr Lockyer said that with broader ligatures they don't always leave marks on the skin or internally either and he concluded his evidence about the possibility of strangulation by saying that also people recovered from water it is known that ligature marks can disappear quite quickly either with thin ligatures or broader ones. When cross-examined by the defence barrister Richard Sutton KC, Dr Lockyer was also asked to consider the possibility of drowning after getting into a struggle as a cause of death and Dr Lockyer couldn't exclude this possibility altogether. He said it seemed unlikely because the water depth was only one metre and he couldn't understand how if Jorge had got into a struggle or had fallen in he wouldn't just stand up. But when concluding his evidence Dr Lockyer reminded the jury that it is the police's job to establish the circumstances surrounding how someone has died and that he was just there simply to go through the injuries that were found on Jorge and what may have caused them and as well what he thought the medical cause of death was. I think it was about this time in the trial after the pathology evidence was finished that some agreed facts were read out to the jury. Now agreed facts are facts to do with the circumstances surrounding uh, Jorge Crenio and Scarlett Blake which both sides of the counsel, prosecution and defence agree with. Now, the most significant agreed fact that came out first was that Blake has admitted that the mysterious figure on the CCTV is in fact her. However, she said even though that is her in the CCTV footage, she was only with Jorge from about 4am to 4.25am when he was seen going onto the Marston cycle path towards Parsons Pleasure which essentially means that she denies going to the bathing area with Jorge. We don't know why she was out that night in the city centre, we don't know what her and Jorge spoke about, we don't know where she went after she says she left Jorge and didn't go to Parsons Pleasure, but all this information I'm sure will come out when she takes a stand, if she takes a stand, when the defence case starts next week. 
The next piece of information that came out in the agreed facts is that Blake also admits to kidnapping, dissecting and killing her neighbour's cat. After it became clear that Blake had admitted to the animal offence, the jury were then played some parts of the audio from the video. It was deemed too distressing for them to watch so they were given a transcript of what Blake is saying and also the other person in the video and they were played the audio and they followed along. I'm going to go into some of that audio now so some of it may be a little bit distressing to hear so I recommend fast forwarding about a minute in the podcast if you don't want to listen. Some of the audio was quite hard to pick up because members of the public and the press don't get the transcript that the jury was seeing so I just had to listen and sort of make out the words that I could hear and it was quite hard because the song was playing True Faith by New Order which as you may remember from the first podcast is a song that convicted murderer Luke McNotter was playing when he murdered John Lynn. So the song was playing quite loud so it was hard to make out some of the things that Blake was saying and also to distinguish between what Blake was saying and the other woman in the live stream but I'm gonna pick out some phrases that I heard I'm gonna have to be PG with the swear words but I'm sure you'll be able to figure out (laughs) what they are so some phrases were my hands are shaking I effing love it look at that little b word I'm pretty sure he's still alive Another phrase was, next time, a 45 degree angle, practice. Another phrase I heard was, I was expecting it to splash a bit more. Another phrase was, I'm going to take the scalpel. And then it sort of faded out. Uh, And then you could also hear in the audio her talking about the Netflix show, Don't F With Cats, about Luke McNotter saying, you know he started out killing cats, right? Which is true, Luke McNotter... I think he like vacuumed, put cats in the vacuum bag and suffocated them, which is just horrible. Um, But again, it's been so long since I saw the Netflix show. I cannot remember it super well at the top of my head. Another phrase that was heard was so tragic. Nothing's innocent. Another phrase was this is the best Valentine's ever. I got my stimulus. Another phrase was that's really easy. It's a really effing pointy blade. Oh, that's cool. Oh, cat head. Well, yeah, it's an animal. Every animal is like that. I think I'm starting to get this now. I wonder how much longer I'm going to have to do this. And then one of the last phrases that I heard was, damn, that's cool. Something does not smell very good. Oh, who's a cute little kitty? And then the other woman in the audio could be heard saying, can you send me a photo from your phone of you holding it in your hand? And that was about the majority of it that I could make out with the music being as loud as it was. The jury were then shown a picture of the cat, a small little black cat, as well as a picture of Blake smiling with white gloves on, headphones on and the cat in the background but blurred out. And then they were also shown a white bucket with I assume were part of the cat inside it but it was hard to make out it it looked like bits of cloth and like dirty liquid it was very odd as well as the 
kept evidence audio. The jury were also shown pictures that were found on Blake's phone, which the prosecution have picked out to demonstrate her alleged fascination with violence and harm. Obviously, it's a podcast, so I cannot show you these images, but I'm going to try and describe them the best I can. So there was one which had a collage of female killers, including Anna Delvey, who was a con artist, Brenda Spencer, who was a school shooter, Casey Anthony, who was a murderer and child abuser. I think all of them are American. There was another photo of a girl wearing a t-shirt that says, you're cute, murder me. It was not suggested that the girl in this photo is Blake or that any of these photos were taken by Blake, but they just look like screenshots that she's taken from the internet somewhere. Another photo was a bed with the words bruise my esophagus written in petals on it. Another one was a thread on Twitter, now X, on how to choke your partner safely. Another was a first date kit with me which included duct tape, a gun, knife and rope. There was also the picture of the homemade Garrett cartoons to do with holding someone underwater or strangulation and then there was also a screenshot which looks like it's from tumblr of a poem now going back a little bit in the chronology of how things came out in the trial there was an alleged murder confession made by blake to the woman in america this information came out when defense barrister mr sutton kc was asking the forensic pathologist, Dr. Brett Lockyer, which evidence he had been given from the police before he was to reconsider his findings of how Jorge had died. And one of the things that police had given Dr. Lockyer was a statement from a woman in America called Ashlyn Bell. Ashlyn Bell was a former partner of Blake and she allegedly told police that Blake had confessed to the murder of Jorge she told police that Blake had said she had gone to Parsons pleasure with Jorge and then sat behind him leant against a tree and strangled him with a homemade garrot she then claims that she thought Jorge was dead and she checked to see if he was alive if she could break his neck or take his head off before deciding that she couldn't and pushing him in the water I know what you're thinking what why has this information just come out now? Why was it not mentioned at the start of the trial? Because it is hearsay. Hearsay is information from other people which cannot be substantiated. Ashlyn Bell is not a witness in this trial. Therefore, this alleged confession to the murder has not been entered into the trial by prosecution necessarily as evidence. What could be entered into the trial as evidence revolving Ashlyn Bell, though, was that Blake had sent her a jacket through the mail to America and the jacket was the one that she was allegedly wearing the night that she as we now know met with Mr. Carenio in the city centre. As well as the jacket messages between Ashlyn Bell and Blake were also read out to the jury as another way to demonstrate her alleged fascination with violence and harm. Reading through some of the messages that were exchanged on the messaging platform discord Blake wrote to Belle, I also want to kill my dad one day. They did make me into who I am. Maybe when they're old, I can just put a respirator with pure nitrogen on them while they sleep. Another message she wrote said, I was super homicidal earlier. 
it would have been super nice to kill for you. After Blake had sent her message to Miss Bell, Miss Bell also wrote a message back to Blake saying that the smell of the jacket had immediately turned her on and then she wrote serial killer mask, serial killer mask, serial killer mask, serial killer mask. Another message exchanged between the two came from Miss Bell writing to Blake before she went and visited her in America in I want to say early 2023. The message from Miss Bell said you get another kill before you get here and then you can chill and I will officially have a serial killer big booby girlfriend and Blake responded to her, we'll see. Blake then did go on the trip to America and she went with another former partner of hers called Evie Brockman. Now this evidence again was mentioned briefly in cross-examination when Mr Sutton was cross-examining a police officer who was giving evidence about CCTV and phone data. Mr Sutton said that when Blake had gone out to America with Miss Brockman that there had been a aggravation with quote-unquote guns and stuff and Blake had fallen out with Miss Bell and herself and Miss Brockman had to return to the UK. Now no further evidence was mentioned about the guns and stuff incident as prosecutor Alison Morgan interrupted and said that Mr Sutton couldn't just mention the words guns and stuff in front of the jury without submitting the whole incident into evidence in full. We haven't heard anything more about it since, but it may be something that's mentioned in the defence case at a later date. However, the main point of him bringing it up was that Blake and Miss Brockman returned to the UK and it was then a few months later this Miss Bell had contacted the police with the tip-off about the alleged murder confession. As well as the evidence surrounding Miss Bell, there was some further evidence involving Miss Brockman, where a video of her crying was played to the jury where she seemingly expresses concerns that Blake is going to kill her. In the video she can be seen walking and crying and this is what she can be heard saying. Things with Moth, which was Blake's Discord username, Blood Moth. Things with Moth just really are just really bad. I don't think I've ever been this scared of her. I don't know what I'm supposed to effing do. She's probably going to try and kill me. I guess if anyone actually ever finds this, it was her. And if nobody finds this, I'm okay. I don't know. I probably won't be here anymore. At least not in the UK. But this I can't do anymore. I can't do it anymore. So I'm going to go. Bye. This clip was from August 2023. It was heard briefly that it's believed the pair had made up before she then returned to America with help from police getting her to the airport. It wasn't clear if she was present when Blake was arrested because this was in August 2023 and that's why police had helped to get to the airport or if there was a different incident. However, it just hasn't come out yet and it may be part of the defense's case when we get to it and ladies and gentlemen that brings us pretty much to the end of the prosecution's evidence they just have agreed facts left to go through with the jury before the case is officially handed over to the defense team thank you so much for listening and before we wrap up this podcast there are just a few questions from listeners to go through thank you so much for sending them in i'll just rattle through them now so the first one comes from a dr nike i hope i'm pronouncing that right I am most definitely not he is asking if there is a connection specifically between Parsons pleasure where Mr Crenio was found and the song true faith by new order he says specifically in terms of the aerial cartography um 
the leaf in the album and the cartography outline of the river Cherwell. Firstly, this is an excellent question. Secondly, I have no idea, I am afraid. Um, this is not evidence that has come out in the trial and really the use of the song hasn't been delved into that much. I think it's been linked to the Netflix documentary because Blake can be heard mentioning the not the Netflix documentary but other than that there has been no other connections drawn between the song and the death of Mr. Carenio. However whether this is something that has delved into more when the defense team starts I have no idea. You'll just have to stay tuned. The second question comes from Emily who asks, how do we know that Jorge was making internet searches for his home address when he was walking around Oxford in the early hours of the morning? Another good question and one I don't think I explained properly in the first podcast. So Mr. Cranio's phone was actually recovered when he was rescued from the water and the data from it, I don't think the data was actually taken from the phone as it was probably waterlogged. I think the data was taken from his watch and also the cloud which stores data and the police were able to see what apps he was using, what searches he was making and also whereabouts in Oxford that he was doing it because it pinged off local cell towers. Hopefully that has answered your question. And the final question comes from Jack who says how come we haven't seen any CCTV of Blake leaving Parsons Pleasure? Another good question. So Firstly, we don't know for sure that Blake was in Parsons' pleasure. This is just the prosecution's case. It is the defence's case that Blake had not gone to Parsons' pleasure and had split off from Jorge before he had reached that destination. However, all I can say is that we haven't seen any CCTV after Mr... Karenio had gone into the water. We haven't been told any information about where Blake had gone after she said that she wasn't with Jorge anymore. I suspect that this information will come out during the defense's case. So you'll just have to hold on to the next podcast and I'll get that information to you as soon as we're told. And there we have it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much again for listening. I will be back at it again next week with the third podcast, which will be delving into the defense's case. In the meantime, you can find me live blogging the trial on the Oxford Mail, doing breakout stories with the most important information that comes out of it. So please visit theoxfordmail.co.uk for more. If you want to get those great subscriber benefits, there is a deal on at the moment, just £5 for five months. You can subscribe to my Court and Crime newsletter, which is similar to the podcast, sort of doing a deep dive behind the scenes. That comes out every Sunday straight into your email box and that is oxfordmail.co.uk slash newsletters or else you can find us on all our social medias at Oxford Mail on Facebook, Twitter, now X, I will, I keep forgetting, and TikTok. And lastly, if you have any questions for me, please find my email online and pop me a question with the subject title crime podcast question and it will be answered on the next podcast. Thank you again for listening and I will see you again Well, I will speak to you again next week. Thank you.